Well, I want to welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church, and it's my privilege and our privilege to have you all here. If, uh, if you happen to be Faith Family, man, welcome. We're glad that you decided to join us. But if you're new, this is your first time here. Again, we want to say welcome, and not just here in Florence, but we want to say welcome to our Faith Church family up in Lawrenceburg. Come on. Let's show them some love. Welcome, 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 everybody in Lawrenceburg. It's good to have you guys and everybody watching online. Well, listen, we are just a few days away anticipating the coming of Christmas. And I don't know about you guys, but uh, I love Christmas. Anybody here love the Christmas season, the holiday? I mean, if you don't, I don't know, man. There's, there's so much to love about it. I love, I love the Christmas music, right? I mean, right after Thanksgiving, think about it. We get a whole month of Christmas music, and it comes in every flavor. No matter what station you turn to, you're getting some bluegrass Christmas music, you get some Motown Christmas music. You get country Christmas. I mean, it's just everywhere you go. It's easy to put you in the mood. I love, I don't know about you guys, but I love, I love the Christmas lights. I don't put mine up, but I'm glad for all of you that put yours up so I can drive through your subdivision and check them out. Uh, I mean, I don't know about the people that don't take theirs down. I mean, I get it. Once it's around September, you might as well leave them up because you're just going to have to turn around and put them up again. I love Christmas lights, love Christmas trees, I mean, all flavors, I love them all, man, small, white, green, flocked, right, I mean, I love them. A couple things that start rising to the top, I love family, love seeing friends and family, but I love Christmas cookies, candies, they just have a way of finding me out, I don't know about you guys, but they just track me down and I, I tap out every time, I surrender, you caught me. But my favorite, especially this time of the year, is, I have to admit it, I love, I love all of the Christmas movies yeah. and TV programs. Anybody here watching some? You've seen them a thousand times, but you still watch them. There's so many good ones. Mine changes probably a little bit from year to year. But this is, this is my top five. This, uh, this is probably my five this year that I've watched. I've seen all these over and over again. And uh, if, if I happen to pull out your favorite one, go ahead and make some noise for it. But this is definitely an all-time right here. The first one is my favorite this year is A Christmas Story. I mean, come on. How can you go wrong with 24 hours of Ralphie? I mean, think about it. Like, you can go into a Christmas food coma, fall asleep, and if you miss something, and when you wake up, it's coming back around, baby. You can, you can catch it next time. Love a Christmas story. Right here, this is my personal favorite. It has been for years and years. Anybody love a... It's a wonderful life. If you've never seen it, it's in black and white. Some of you are like, you just turn it off when you see black and white. Younger generation, it's a great movie. You need to watch it. And if you watch it and don't cry, you don't love Jesus. That's a, that's a way to know it. Do I love Jesus? That's I don't know. This is a good one right here. This has been at least Faith Church favorite. And again, you gotta, you gotta love Elf. You gotta love Elf. Um, I, you know, man, I'm Will Ferrell. He's all time for sure. And then this one right here, this is on the top of the list probably for everybody. <laughs> National Lampoon Christmas Vacation. I mean, that's a guy that knows how to put up some Christmas lights. And this one here, this is one of my favorites, but I'm a Vince Vaughn fan. Four Christmases, anybody? Thank you. Man, the, the other services, man, it's, it's not a fan. What's that? Watch it last night. If you're not a Vince Vaughn fan, it probably won't land. But here's the thing. These are all great movies. I, I love to watch them, love to laugh at them. But did you know, really, they're all the same movie? And when I say that, obviously, man, it's, it's, it is different. But when I say they're the same, I mean, when you watch them, they all have the exact same story arc. And when I say the same story arc, what I mean is this, that the main character in every movie, they all deal with the tension between hope and disappointment. All of them, there's, 
There's something they, they're wanting, something they're hoping for, but the reality of what they have. Right? I mean, think about the movies we just went through. When you talk about a Christmas story, again, the tension between hope and disappointment, between what somebody wants and what they have. Right? What's the movie about? The movie's about this young kid, Ralphie, who wants a Red Ryder BB gun, but the whole movie is him going through the disappointment of everybody he knows telling him he can't have one. Why? Shoot your eye out. Hope and disappointment. It's what he wants, but it's not what he gets. You know, through the whole movie, he's wrestling. Am I going to get this thing? You know, you go back to It's a Wonderful Life. Again, it's the same story arc. You have this guy, George Bailey. George Bailey, he begins the movie with this hope that he's going to be able to travel and have this successful life and be prosperous. And instead, the bulk of the movie, if you've seen it, is him wrestling in a small town and a small paycheck and a small business. Hope and disappointment. You go on to Elf, and Elf, man, is a, is a great movie. Um, you know, you got to love a movie where you know, how, know where to go get the best, world's best cup of coffee, which, by the way, is right here at Faith Church. Come on, let's give it up for our cafe people. But right, I mean, really, Elf, Elf is really the same story arc. It's that same tension between hope and disappointment. Here's Buddy the Elf, who he's hoping to find his real dad, and the entire movie is him dealing with the disappointment that he's disowned and, and disengaged from a dad who doesn't really care about him, doesn't know him, and doesn't want to know him. You go on to the next movie. Clark W. Griswold is all time. He is, uh, I mean, that movie's just funny from beginning to end. But really, if you, if you miss it and all the kind of external storylines, the story arc is the same. It's a story about a man who's hoping for a big, fat Christmas bonus and instead of getting what he's hoping for, the entire movie is him wrestling with the disappointment of him being underappreciated and undervalued by his employer. I mean, come on, when you get a jelly of the month club for Christmas, it's time to look for a new job. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> and then for Christmas is the fifth movie, it's, it's the same thing, right? Kate, Brad, they want to get on a cruise to get away and celebrate Christmas. And instead, what is the movie about? It's about the disappointment of staying home and struggling through the family dysfunction and chaos. I just got to say, those are my favorite five. It's funny, I've actually gotten emails and Facebook posts. Pastor, you didn't say, what about, these are my favorite five. When you get a church and a platform, you can talk about your favorite five. <laughs> so don't nobody email me about what I left off the list. Everybody say hope, hope. and disappointment. The crazy thing is that story arc that exists in those five movies doesn't just exist on the movie screen. If we're honest, it exists in life. We've all experienced the sting of disappointment on Christmas morning, haven't we? I mean, how many of us in this room, maybe especially as children, there's something we really hoped for, something we really wanted, we asked for it, and it didn't come through? I mean, man, nobody likes that. I, I can remember so distinctly as a kid uh, being able to look forward to the Christmas wish book catalog. Oh, I can't get no love? Come on, somebody, you got to admit you're like over 30 to own that. All you Amazon crowd that, that logs in every day and checks the, checks the web for what's out today, we had to wait once a year for a big fat catalog to come to find out what was out there. And then every little kid would page through it and circle what they wanted. Come on, does anybody remember that? 1981, I remember getting the Sears wish book catalog, going through it, didn't even know it existed, but I found this one thing. And when I say I wanted it, I mean, I didn't circle it once. I circled it, I highlighted it. I circled it so much, I almost cut through the page with a pen. It was a Dungeons and Dragons electronic handheld game. Oh, don't hate on me. My wizard wandering through a maze slaying dragons. I had to have it. And so I circled it and I told my parents about it. 
I told both my grandparents about it because I thought if my parents don't come through, at least maybe my grandparents were better to get three than none was my way of thinking. And I'll never forget, Christmas morning came up, and I had had this, this hope, man, for probably about a month. I let everybody know what I wanted. Woke up Christmas morning and went downstairs and opened all the presents that my parents had gotten me. No, Dungeons and Dragons, handheld electronic game. Went to one grandparent's house, second grandparent's house. Here I am now, and I, all these years later, I can't tell you one thing I got that year, but I can tell you what I didn't get. And so, again, come on, everybody, there's this tension between hope and disappointment. Unfortunately, it doesn't just stay on the movie screen, and it doesn't just stay in our childhood Christmases. The tension of hope and disappointment is real for all of us in this room. That as we look at our life, a lot of the struggles and the tensions and the battles, it's not what we signed up for. It's not what we wanted. We when we got married, like we hoped to have a fairy tale marriage. When we, when we had kids, we thought it would be fantastic. When we took the job, we thought it would work out. But the reality is there's a lot of us in this room that we're in jobs, we're in relationships, we're struggling with finances, and man, it's, it's, we're wishing it would change. It's not what we want. We're hoping one day it'll turn around. We're hoping our husband will come to his senses. We're hoping our kids will like break out of this rebellious cycle. We're hoping we can get a better job. We're hoping we can get through the chaos of college. And at the same time, man, we're struggling with the disappointment of the life we have. The reality of Christmas for a lot of people is not that it's a season of celebration. It's a magnifying glass on the life of dysfunction. I'm just telling you, you, you want to figure out how broke you are, let the holidays come. Are you struggling to pay bills? Now you've got to buy Christmas presents. You want to figure out how dysfunctional your family is, celebrate the holidays with some of them. And right, so what I'm here to tell you is that, again, this, this tension between hope and disappointment, it's real for all of us. And if you're not going through it today, there's been a season in your life where you were disappointed about what was happening. You were broken. You were concerned. You were worried. You were upset, you were angry about what you were going through in your heart or your family or your life. You were struggling through an addiction. You were hoping it would change, but you were stuck with the disappointment. Now, here's what's crazy. That same story arc of hope and disappointment that we find on the movie screen and we find in our life, did you know that's the exact same story arc in the Bible? When you read the pages of God's Word, you find it's the same story. It's the story of the tension of hope and disappointment. In fact, when you go all the way back to the beginning, when I said back, I mean all the way back to the garden. I'm talking about paradise, perfection. God made everything right. Adam was there with a perfect life, with a perfect wife, with a perfect create relationship with his creator. Everything was right until Adam and Eve went off script and decided to do life their own way and sin because they rebelled against God. Sin came into God's perfect creation and any time sin shows up, not just for Adam and Eve, but for us, sin showed up and sin brought with it sickness, struggle, and separation. It always does that. When you go off script and live life your own way, it will always bring with it sickness, struggle, and separation. So all of a sudden, man, it went from like everything was right, everything was on point, life was perfect, and all of a sudden because of sin coming into the human experience, everything went sideways. The good news was even though there was nothing that they could do to fix it, God made a promise in the beginning that he would clean up the mess that man made. And I'm telling you, God is still in the business of making promises, and he's still in the business of fulfilling them, that God can clean up the mess that we make. 
So check it out. Again, the story arc of hope and disappointment. So in the very early pages of Scripture, we find this story that life is broken down. There they are in the middle of disappointment, and here comes hope. God makes a promise in the middle of a judgment that he's, he's speaking over the serpent that's tempted Adam and Eve. And here's what he says. Check this out. Genesis 3.15, this is what God says. This is where hope comes in. He says, I will cause hostility between you, the serpent, and the woman, Eve. Between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Here's what God is saying. God is saying, Eve, somewhere down in your genealogical tree, I'm going to give a son. I'm going to birth a child on this planet. And when he shows up, he's going to make everything right. Eve, somewhere down your family line, a baby's going to come that's going to be unlike any baby ever born, and he's going to fix what just got broken. Man, they're looking around like, wait, we can have it back? And God made a promise. So every day they wake up up in brokenness with the promise of hope that God's going to bring a baby that's going to make it right. And you keep peeling through the pages one after one, one after another, book after book, and you know what you have? Chapters of disappointment because they're just waiting. Now, God is good through it all. If you read the Bible, God keeps showing up. God God keeps sending messengers with messages that he's going to send this child, that this Messiah, this Savior is going to come. He's going to restore it. He's going to fix what's broken. But in the middle of all of it, they're living in the disappointment with the anticipation of hope. And you can find lots of promises. Here's another one, Isaiah 9, 6, right in the middle of the book. God speaks to the prophet Isaiah. Again, trying to bring hope in the season of disappointment. Here's what it says. Some of you have seen this on Christmas cards. For a child is born to us and a son is given to us. The government will rest upon his shoulders and he'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Come on, that ought to get some applause in the house. Come on, I I know your kid got A's and B's on his report card, but when this kid shows up, he's going to be called Almighty God and Everlasting Father. Come on. Something different. God's saying when this kid shows up, he's going to be different. He's going to be like unlike any other child ever born. Hope. Hope. All of us have it in the back of our heart when we're struggling with disappointment, but is it ever going to change? Is it ever going to get better? Is it ever going to get fixed? Hope and disappointment. And you go all the way to the end of the Old Testament, and it's God making promises of how he's going to fix it. And you get to the book of Malachi, the last prophet in the Old Testament, and he closes in part with some of these words. He says this, that the son of righteousness will rise with healing in his wings. It's another promise that that God's going to show up and God's going to fix this. And then you get to the end of the Old Testament, and then what is one page turn for us is 400 years for the nation of Israel. 400 years that God goes quiet. He quits talking. No more prophets, no more prophecies, no more messages, no more messengers. God just stops talking. And they're stuck in the chaos and the disappointment of life. But they still have hope that God's made promises. And then you get to the New Testament. What page turn? You get to the book of Matthew, and all of a sudden you have the story that we're here talking about today All of a sudden, you have this guy, Joseph, who's engaged to this girl by the name of Mary, and she's talking about she's got a bun in the oven, but it's not his, but it's not nobody's, and so he's trying to decide, do I keep this girl or kick her to the curb? That's a holiday decision right there. 
Do I, like, come on, that's not yours, it's not mine, whose is it? And so he sleeps on it. Always a good idea to sleep on a decision. So watch this. Why he's sleeping on his decision, do I keep her or kick her to the curb? An angel shows up in a dream. Watch this, Matthew chapter 1, verse 20. It says, and as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He's a different child. Here's how different he is. Watch this. And she will have a son, and you will name him. Come on, read it with me. Jesus, for he will. And all of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She'll give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Whoo. Come on. You know what? You know what I'm saying? Is like right in that moment, after, after thousands of years of disappointment and brokenness and wondering in the chaos, will it ever change? All of a sudden, in that moment, there was an announcement made that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promise to fix what was fractured. And I'm telling you, he is still the fulfillment of the promise in your life, in the middle of your mess, in the middle of your brokenness. He is the one who can show up and change everything. Now, here's what's crazy is I know it's, if you don't really get the present, it's hard to clap for it. Have you ever gotten a present? You didn't really know what it was when you got it. So like, thanks for that. <laughs> or maybe you knew what it was, but you didn't really appreciate it until later when you finally used it. And you're like, man, this is a great present. I remember I was 18 years old. My parents got me for my birthday. Are you ready? Whatever young man dreams of getting an annual membership to the American Automobile Association. I got a AAA membership, age 18. I'm like, it's awesome, thanks. I did not circle this in the catalog, I can tell you that much. And I just turned, so I was 18, I just turned 48 years old last month. And uh, you know what I got for the last 30 years for my birthday? I'm a 30-year member, baby. AAA club. And I'm just telling you, when I got that, I'm like, this, I mean, I was shaking, I'm going to be honest, I was, I was shaking the car for something else to fall out. Like, this is it? Until about three years after I got it, this thing sat in my wallet. What it's for, if you don't know, if you ever get broke down, if you ever run out of gas, if you get stuck on the side of the road, you get a flat tire, you can call AAA and they'll come help you. Now, just, I don't know if you all know this, but there's this thing on your dashboard called a gas gauge. I will never run out of gas because it tells you when you're getting close. And some of you have gotten too close. And wish you had AAA. Right? If I, ever, if I ever get a flat tire, I'm going to change it myself because by the time I wait on these guys, I could have been back on the road. So I thought, this, I'm never going to use this gift until about three years after we got it. My wife and I were driving down the road. I ran over something. I get a flat tire. I get out and try to change it myself. And whatever chucklehead changed my tire at the place I got tires, tightened the lug nut too tight, and I couldn't break it loose. And so I thought, what do I do? I got AAA, baby. Boop, 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 boop. AAA came, and they couldn't tow it because the tire was flat, so they had to flatbed this thing about 50 miles, which would have cost me several hundred dollars. But for me, it was free because I had AAA. I was like, thank you, Mom and Dad. <laughs> I'm just telling you, and it's coming in handy. 30 years, I still use this thing. I was in Dick's Sporting Goods not too long ago going to check out, and on the side of the cash register, there's, they take Visa and MasterCard and debit card. AAA. I was like, you guys take AAA? And they're like, yeah, if you remember, you get a discount. I was like, I just happen to have a card right here. 
15% off Dick's Sporting Goods. Come on, y'all don't hate on me. I'm like, I've saved money on hotel rooms and flights and Dick's Sporting Goods. All, and I'm just telling you, when I first got the gift, I didn't appreciate it because I didn't know what it did. But when I found out what it did, I'm glad to be a lifetime member because it's saving me all kinds of stuff. Some of us aren't celebrating the Savior because we don't know the benefits he brings. But when you find out what he showed up to do, you'll lose your mind because it'll change your life forever. You say, well, what's he do? Well, the angel announced it to Joseph. He said, when he comes, he's going to save his people from their sins. Number one, if you're taking notes, Jesus is the solution for sin and separation. What can you do about your sin? What can you do about the mess? The reality is nothing. We can't fix it. We can't be good enough. We can't make up the gap. If you go all the way back to the story, if you'll remember, what, what created the chaos was sin. A lot of us in this room, as we struggle with life and disappointment, the mess of relationships and money and everything else that life brings, a lot of times, if we pray, we're praying, God, change that. Everybody listen to me. There are times that God will change that, but God primarily came to change this. Yeah. See, when, when God changes this, that changes everything. A lot of us are up, upset because we don't have a lot underneath the tree. It's not what's under the tree. It's what's in me. Come on. When you have Jesus in you, that changes everything. Jesus is a solution for sin and separation. And when you come to him and you find grace and you find forgiveness and you understand that through that, it bridges a gap where you can be reconnected with your heavenly father. That's the message of Christmas. That's why Jesus came. You have a place to go in the mess of life. And not, he's not just the solution to sin and separation. I think this is... I think this is huge if we can just get our hearts and minds around this. Number two, Jesus is the demonstration to overcome doubt and desperation. When I say that, here's what I mean is a lot of times we ask the question, what is God like? Have you ever thought about that? Like, what is God like? We have in our own minds our own opinions of maybe what he's like. Some of us because of a specific religious upbringing or maybe no upbringing at all, we've been left to this mindset or opinion of what God is. And if we're honest, it's warped and twisted. If you go through life thinking God's mad at you and God hates you and God wants nothing to do with you, then you don't have the right picture of God. So Jesus came. Remember what he said? He, the angel said he didn't just come to save his people from their sin, but he came and he'd be called Emmanuel, which means what? Come on, Lawrenceburg. It means what? God with so now Jesus is a demonstration to us of what God is like. What is God like? Look at Jesus. Because Jesus said, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. And a lot of times we wrestle and we wonder in life, God, are you anywhere to be found? Where in the world are you at? Do you care about me? Do you see me? I feel like a small speck on a small blue ball in the middle of a small solar system in a small galaxy in a massive universe. God, do you see me? And you know what Christmas, the message of Christmas is? That God sees you. And God, wrapped in flesh, sh showed up in a dusty town called Bethlehem to tell all of us, I'm not far away from you. I'm close. He came to demonstrate to us what God is like. When you see his life, 
Some of us wonder again, is God mad at me? Is God upset? That's not what you see in Jesus. You see Jesus filled with passion and compassion, compassion for outcasts. And he's described as hanging out with, with, with sinners and tax collectors, like the bottom of the barrel, the worst people, everyday people, everyone people. Jesus loved people and he was around people and he ministered to people. What is God like? God is a God who cares about his people. So much so that he sent his son to be a sacrifice, to be the savior for us. And so we're not just here celebrating a baby in a manger. We're here celebrating a sacrifice and a life that was given for us. See, Jesus, Jesus gives us a front row seat to what God is like. Pull up a chair. And it just gives us a front row seat to what God is like. Jesus gives us a front row seat to what God can do. Because you can't help but to miss in his story that every time he comes across a situation, he fixes it. Broken people, sick people, bound people, he doesn't leave one person the same. When Jesus encounters people, he changes them. He's a demonstration in our desperation. Whatever you're desperate about, God can deal with. Whatever you're broken about, whatever you're hurting, whatever the disappointment in your life is, the message of Christmas is that God's big enough to meet it. He's enough. Christ is the consummation of the promise of God to bring hope to this world. And it came, if we're not clear yet, the message is in Luke 10, the morning the baby was born, more angels showed up. Hanging out with some dudes out in a field, shepherds, watching over their flocks by night. And here was the message of the angels. I want us all to read it. Lawrenceburg, I want you to read this with me. Come on, all in one voice. Here was the message of the angels. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Come on, I want us to sing it, say it just one more time. Come on. I bring you that will be great to all people. I don't know if y'all caught this, but did you hear it? He said, first of all, it's good news. This is good news. We tend to run from God and hide from God. Man, this is, God came in the flesh to rescue us. That's good news. And it doesn't just bring everyday average joy. This is how you know that the message, not that you've gotten a hold of the message, but the message has gotten a hold of you. Because it'll bring great joy. Great, like this joy that's deep down that doesn't even make sense. You know, God said that you can have a peace that passes understanding. It does, you're in such chaos in life, it doesn't make sense how you can have peace. You know how I can have peace? Because I have peace in me. Because I have the everlasting Father. I have the Prince of Peace in me. And here's the best news in this. He says, I bring you good news that will bring, bring great joy to all people. Everybody say all people. And here's good news. You know who an all people is? You're an all people. The Jesus that we're talking about didn't come for a specific segment of society. He didn't come for a certain class or culture. He didn't come for a certain group of people who hold a certain pattern of beliefs. Jesus came for, come on everybody say it, all people. You're an all people. The person you live next door is is an all people. Your mother-in-law, she's an all people. Person who gets on your nerves, all people. Person you're sitting next to, regardless of their sex, color, creed, or religion, is an all people. You know who Jesus came for? Jesus came for all people, because all people need hope, and Jesus is the hope of the world. And so the angel said it. 
I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Here's the news. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Here's the message as we wrestle with the tension of hope and disappointment. The message of Christmas is stop expecting and start experiencing. Hope has come. He's here. And if you'll open up your heart and allow Christ to come in, in the middle of the chaos and the disappointment that will keep coming your way, you can have hope. See, life is full of letdowns. We all have setups of how we're going to get ahead and how we're going to break through and how things are going to get better, and we all face setbacks. We all have high expectations, but in the middle of it, we still face adversity and obstacles. But in it all, the game changer is having hope. And Jesus came to be that hope. So Heavenly Father, I'm so grateful, God, today for the promise and the message that we're here to celebrate this morning. I pray that, God, it would transcend off of this platform into every heart. Jesus, I pray, God, people all over this room, people in Lawrenceburg, people watching online, would just recognize who you are and what you came to do. So we open up our hearts. Come on, if you're here this morning or you're watching online, wherever you are, if you're struggling and you're in the season of disappointment, there's some stuff going around you that you wish would change, your praying would change, you feel overwhelmed, you feel discouraged. Come on, if that's you, if you got some family stuff, some home stuff, some life stuff, you're saying, Pastor Steve, I'm wrestling in a season of discouragement. I want you to lift your hand real high. Come on, you got some disappointment. Father, I pray for every person lifting their hand. I pray grace and peace and strength will come upon you in a way that you couldn't imagine, that when the situation hadn't changed, your life has changed. And it's going to carry you through because of who's with you. And Father, I thank you for that grace. And Lord, I pray if there's anybody here who's never opened their heart to the reality of the Christ child, that God, today would be the day. Listen, if you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, and I imagine there's some here, it's just a personal decision to say, I need a Savior. See, we all need help in life and Especially when it comes to the issue of sin and brokenness in life, Jesus is the hope. But you've got to ask for it to get it. If you're here and you've never said yes to Jesus, and this morning you want to say, Pastor, I need, I need hope in my life. I'm going to close in prayer. And if you would like, man, to open your life up to Jesus, you want to say yes to his grace, I want you to lift a hand up. Come on, real high, real quick. Come on, all over this building. Come on, no shame. Come on, throw it up real high. Pastor Steve, pray for me, man. This morning, I want to say yes to Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm going to pray, and if you lifted your hand or you didn't, you can pray after me. You can pray your own words. But say, Jesus, I thank you that you came to rescue me and to save me and to forgive me of my sin. I open up my heart to your hope. Pray you'll come in. And change me from the inside out. I give you my life and ask you to help me to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, everybody agree, said amen.